What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the latest episode of the Mint City Soccer Show. I'm one of your hosts, David Gussler, and I'm here with the camo-wearing kit, Matt Swift. Matt, how are you doing tonight? <laughs> I'm doing well, David. How about yourself? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's Monday after a game. Um, I think we could have better feelings after the, the game recently, but we'll get to that here in just a second. But it's Monday, which means we get to discuss and reflect on the most recent performance from Charlotte Football Club. Um, and if you were living under a rock, if you're listening to this podcast and don't know what the score is, spoiler alert, but I don't think anybody will be surprised. Um, but Montreal and Charlotte FC played for the second time this season, but the first game with Christian Altanzio as the head coach. And Charlotte FC walks away with a defeat of 2-1 to one in Montreal. So Matt... Um, what's the theme? I know you have a special name for this episode, but like, I guess that could be the theme for this, but what, what is, what is it? Like, what do you think we should name this episode? Yeah, we're going to call this one the Montreal screw job. Uh, if you're uh, a WWE fan or a Bret Hart fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, if you're not just go look it up, but, uh, yeah, that's what we're going to, that's what we're going to call this one. So please, please explain, sir. So why are we calling this the Montreal, <laughs> uh, screw job? I know we'll, we'll get into the game recap here a little bit, but, um, I mean, what would you think of the game overall? I know, I know, both of us were not able to watch this game live. I think it's the first one that this has right. happened to for both of us, and what, what happens, we lose. So I don't think anybody <laughs> will will let us miss a game again live. But um, what you know, why why is it called the screw the Montreal screw job, sir? Yeah, so we shouldn't have played this game from from the beginning. Uh, we petition uh, petitioned the 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 league to postpone this game because we were missing. I think it was like 10 or 11 players. Um, if it were, you know, three or four or maybe even five, I could, I could see like, ah, oh, no, you got to, you know, go on. But when you're missing literally a whole entire team worth of players, yeah. um, I think it's pretty absurd. And if this would have happened to LAFC or LA Galaxy or Seattle or somebody like that, and especially if they were playing one another, they would have absolutely postponed this game. So it's absurd that we even went through with this. And then there was a, a pretty horrible call uh, in the game as well, too. So that's that's why I'm going to call it the Montreal screw job. So I know you, you, you touched on it a little bit. And so let's, let's dive into that for a second. But Charlotte FC traveled up to Montreal, um, was pretty late and just sharing, I guess. any. I mean, I thought it was weird that the team wasn't sharing any kind of travel pictures or anything like that on social on the Friday before. Um, but there's obviously a reason for that. Um, I think 10 to, to 11 players um, were in COVID protocols. So obviously it doesn't mean that they have COVID or anything like that. But it mm-hmm. just means that they have to help follow health and safety um, regulations. Um, so it could be vaccinated, unvaccinated. It could be sick, not sick, close contact exposure. Who right. knows, right? They're not right. they're not going to share any of that information to us. But um, it's pretty crazy to think that 30, like 33, 34% of our roster was out for this game. Um, we had three to four players that are on loan with Charlotte Independence make their debut um, for an MLS in this game. Um, yeah, I mean, why, I mean, why do you think... Why do you think this didn't happen? Like, why do you think the team wasn't able to get this postponed? I don't know. I I, I honestly don't know because it was Charlotte versus Montreal instead of uh, Charlotte versus LAFC or LAFC versus Galaxy. You mean or, Christian Bale versus Galaxy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah I, I think that's where the league sometimes is is BS. Um, this game should have been played. It's, it's just uh, absurd that to have that many players out and petition the league to postpone it, you know, not cancel it, just, you know, play it at a different time. Uh, I don't know. It's pretty ridiculous. 
So I have to, I even just caught myself just before, you know, Brandon Davis or somebody else, because, you know, it's true David fashion for me to mess up a name, but I said Christian Bale instead of Garrett Bale, but you know, it's fine. So, you know, Christian Bale playing for LA, it makes totally sense, right? Um, I guess, but... I, I guess I t- I'm, I'm so used to like tuning you out. It's totally fine. You heard Bale, that's all that yeah, matters, but uh, that's, that's what I get awesome. for trying to be witty in the moment. So, oh, that's awesome. um, so Ajax, now Christian Bale. So it's fine. Um, but no, yeah, I, I obviously Charlotte. You know, they didn't make a big deal out of it. Christian Latanzio didn't really say anything about it. And obviously, they're just going to roll with the punches. And um, the team obviously had a different lineup than I think what if they had a perfect game, they wouldn't have started this lineup. Right. So what was different? What did you notice already from the lineup uh, for Charlotte heading into Montreal? Uh, Certainly depleted. Certainly uh, kind of the bright side maybe is some players. get brought in and get some minutes that haven't seen the team at all. Yeah. You know, Marks is in goal. You got Hagar, uh, you got Santos, uh, you got O'Neill that comes in. Um, so, you know, bright spot that they get some play mints and, and also a bright spot too. Again, we go, we travel to Montreal who, who's sitting in third place, by the way, who beat us two to nothing at home. We travel up there down 11 players, <laughs> And we have Swiderski that's out on, on the wing. It was so funny listening to Eric Krakauer and uh, Lloyd Sam. For the first 10, 15 minutes of the game, because uh, I was the same way, I, I couldn't tell what formation we were running. I couldn't tell who was playing who because it, it was just so bizarre. They were like, um, where the where the hell is Swiderski? I don't even know where he yeah. is. <laughs> so to, to be able to go up there with this team and to – we'll talk about the goal that was allowed – to get a point or, you know, maybe even uh, at least be competitive and not get played off the field is is a true testament to the depth that we have on this team. Uh, we'll get more into the game a, a little bit, but, uh, I mean, the, the lineup was so, so bizarre um, and, and what we had to put out there. But, um, I, yeah, I, I think to be able to go up there and um, – almost get a point and probably should have got a point is, is, is pretty impressive considering we're missing, you know, 11 players. Yeah. I mean, so you touched on that lineup a little bit and if you look at foot mob, it's all over the place in terms of lineup. Like, I don't even think they weren't running a four, four, one, one. I mean, who knows? Like, but who knows? Like, um, but if you're looking, I think, I think what they actually ran was a four, two, three, one or something similar to that effect. Yeah. Um, and so if you're looking at some of the starting lineup because of all the depletion um, from health and safety protocols, um, Joseph Mora on the le- as a left back, um, you had Walks, Crujo, Lindsay. So the, the, the back line didn't seem like it was really that, I don't know, it wasn't that abnormal for the most part, other than Christian Fuchs not being out there potentially for Walks, but Walks has played pretty well of, re- of recent, right? right? But I think where you saw the difference was is basically our midfield and our attackers, right? Um, you had Brant Bronico start. Um, you had Derek Jones, Jordi Alcivar play. So, you know, small tweak here and there. Um, but then you had Santos and Swiderski and Alcivar. And then you had Daniel Rios up top. Um, so, I mean, obviously you got to deal with what, you, what the punches you get thrown at you, right? But um, first half and just looking at the personnel, like, what do you think? Did, did, they, did they play up to par? Did, were they able to be competitive at least for the most part or what? Yeah, and I think that's just a testament to the to the players themselves. They they did look disjointed. The chemistry, of course, wasn't there because some of these guys have not played together, and then definitely they haven't played in 
together in this formation and and, and stuff like that too. So definitely showed, uh, definitely showed in the first goal. There was some pretty big gaps between, you know, where Derek Jones and Brant was and where you know, like Al Savar and Rios was. Um, so yeah, it wasn't it wasn't pretty. This was not a pretty game. Uh, I, I I didn't think that it was going to be. I would have been absolutely thrilled with the point just to to get this game and then you know get a point and get out of there. But uh, yeah, it just yeah very disjointed. Um, and we'll break down the the goals and just the lack of uh, awareness. But um, but yeah, yeah. And, and I forgot to touch on it. Sorry. In that lineup change, um, George Marks started in goal uh, mm-hmm. versus yeah. um, Christian Kalina, right? So congratulations, Christian, uh, for you know birth of a newborn, um, but then obviously out for this game. Um, potentially with health and safety protocols, but um, let's let's dive into the game. And, and I know, like, typically we, we want to break down some player performance, but unfortunately, Charlotte FC kind of revolt, re- reverted back to old behaviors here very early on and let it go in. Then the first five minutes, so it's very reminiscent of what the team looked like when on the road with Miguel um, as the head coach. Um, but and I'm gonna butcher this, so please correct me, Swift. Um, Romel Kyoto, I believe, is the name. Um, scored first for uh, Montreal. Um, four minutes in, or five minutes into the game, um, what happened in that in that goal? Because it seemed like it's a pretty open chance. But I'd love to mm-hmm. get your breakdown. I know you teased it a little bit on Twitter and and socials. But what what happened during that goal? Yeah. Th- so this starts with the keeper rolling out the ball to the to his defender. <laughs> Um, and you have some a little bit of miscommunications, and I'm not blaming, you know, Danny Rios or, or really Alcifar here, but there was a little bit of miscommunication. If you go back and, and look at the buildup here, Alcivar is wanting, and he points at uh, Wanyama, uh, who plays for Montreal, that's kind of in the middle there. He He's pointing to him, and he's wanting Rios to kind of tuck back in a little bit to help, you know, guard him. Um, Rios doesn't go Alcivar and Rios have too much space in there and the ball gets played right to Wanyama. Wanyama turns. Alcivar has to start chasing him and tracking back. Derek Jones um, kind of he pushes up to midfield to I guess stop Wanyama but he's, he's still kind of too far away. Um, and then you have Joseph Mora who is near the the semicircle in midfield and I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll pause there Joseph Mora is near the semicircle in the midfield he plays left back so what happens in this play Wanyama sees that there's a man wide open behind Joseph Mora in that space that he's vacated because he's near the semicircle and of course the ball gets played out wide to him and that's how the the, the lead up to the goal happens it's just our spacing was really really bad our man marking was really really bad uh especially on the on on the on the first goal and then even worse on the second goal so um yeah that's what happens when you don't turn your head and no one communicates yeah and you you've touched on this in the past few episodes at least with latanzio um 
being the coach, it seems like our left back and right back tends to pinch and get sucked into the middle a little bit more so, right? And knowing, you know, we have a lot of new faces on this field, players playing out of position, and you had, for example, Swarderski playing as a winger at one, one point um, at, all over the place as well. But um, Joseph Moore got kind of pinched in. And do you think that was just by design, or do you think he was expecting someone, even maybe Swarderski or someone else, to kind of cover that back that back door form or what? I, I honestly don't know. And, and so here's the thing. This is not just a Latanzio problem. We If you go back and listen to our episodes before, this has been a whole years worth of issue uh we got beat in atlanta just like this like oh especially when we're running like three in the middle you know those outside backs are going to kind of pinch in a little bit and, and here's the thing too when you're when you're on defense you're going to contract right uh and then when you go on offense you expand out so i, I get there's there's a little bit you know when when you're on defense you kind of when you're on defense, you close in a little bit, but this is absurd. <laughs> if you go back and just pause it, like look at the positioning. It's just, I, I don't know what Morris is thinking. Uh, you've got walks who is watching the ball, which is across, you know, the, the midfield line. Uh, he's not even looking at the runner. Moore has no clue. There, there's a player behind him, which he should. Uh, Swiderski is kind of way away. So I, I don't, I don't think he he's at fault at all. Derek Jones again doesn't have any awareness to he's he's starting to go to Wanyama, even though Al Savar is tracking him down. So I'm not really sure what's going on this whole entire play. Yeah, so Charlotte goes down one nothing very early on. Uh, Marks didn't really have a chance with that shot. Um, it is what it is, right? But the good news is is that um, it didn't take very long for Charlotte to respond. So literally three minutes later into the game, um, you know, had a set piece early on. Um, but what, break that down, Matt. So, like, what happened? Obviously, uh, set piece was kind of a, a – I don't want to say a flop or a miss, but there was a second chance that helped into a cross. But what, what well, happened for Charlotte to score that second goal or that first goal? Well, it was a good bar, ball in by Alcivar, the free the free kick to get this started. Um, and then it gets, you know, gets – I think the <clears throat> goalkeeper punches it out. Yep. Um, so maybe we get a little lucky there, but uh, more I think works it back out and get, gets it to Walks, who who whips in a really really good good ball on his left foot, and then because everybody was pushed up for the free kick, you have Carujo crashing the kind of the back post there and um, was in a, a good spot and put it home. So um, it was a really good response, and it's something that we've been able to do. Unfortunately, we've been going down early, but we are responding. Which is which is a, a good sign. Yeah, it's not like they all of a sudden just crashed and burned six minutes into the game, right? So exactly. at least they had some fight there. They showed some like some um, form to be able to respond. Um, and walks honestly, it was a great cross. I, I mean, mm, selfish out. Like I was watching, I was like, man, if if only walks could get our wingers to cross like that consistently, I think <laughs> it would be be really nice, right? But um, it also helps having the a center back there in the box that's pretty big and in charge to be able to clear a path there. So. Um, but really, I mean, outside of that, there really wasn't too many key highlights within that first half. You know, two two goals early on, um, no subs for the remainder of the half. Um, but one one of the things I remember going back through Slack and seeing was that it seemed like Montreal had a lot of um, fouls, and it seemed like the ref was um, keeping keeping that that card pretty <laughs> close to the vest there um, pretty early on. But if you if you're looking at in terms of like fouls and defense. I mean, um, you know, at the end of the game, Montreal had more yellow cards 
than um, Charlotte, but 17 fouls by uh, Montreal um, within that game. So did you see that similar or was it some of those calls kind of justified or not justified? What's your perspective from the way that Montreal showed up at home? Oh, the ref was pretty much trash. Uh, there was a foul that was not called against Swiderski where player just basically just rakes his ankle and, and yep. foot. Um, I, I think that's when Swiderski like goes down and like takes his shoe off. Takes his shoe off. Yep. Uh, yep. Yeah. I mean, like it had, how do you, I don't know. How do you miss that? The, the referee was horrible. Um, we'll talk about the second goal too, but um, yeah, MLS, also- MLS refing. There you go. It's almost as if it was a screw job, sir. Montreal so, screw yeah. job. <laughs> exactly. Just, I'm bringing it back full circle here. So, um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get into refing, but it seems like Charlotte's had some pretty bad luck this season when it comes to VAR, refs, whatever it is. But yeah. it is it is what it is at this point in time, right? So, um, But really, first half, there wasn't too much more than that. Um, there wasn't really any too too much of second chances or chances or opportunities for Charlotte to score too frequently within that first half. Um but yeah, I think if you're heading into the second half, you're tied one to one at home or away. I'm sorry, against Montreal. I think Christian Latanzi would be pretty happy with walking away with a draw and having one point on the table, mm-hmm. um, with with having so many players out with health and safety protocol. Um, but then we start the second half, right? And so Charlotte doesn't make any changes, doesn't make any substitutions at the beginning of the half. Montreal does though. Montreal starts off with two subs at the second half and brings on um, two midfielders. Um, pretty early on, potentially maybe responding to the way in the formation that we've created. Um, and yeah, so like what happened second half? So what was your biggest takeaway at the very beginning there? Um, were you happy with the way that Latanzio used his subs at least at the start of the second half and kept the formation the same or what? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, you don't make any changes at halftime unless they're pretty drastic changes, I, you know. Uh, I'm okay with with not starting off, you know, with subs right there. You're you're in the game. Um, you let in kind of a pretty bad goal. You got one back. Uh, it was pretty pretty much even that first half. So no changes. And then, but of course, Montreal strikes pretty pretty early because again, we our, our shape and just ball watching is this one is even worse than the first one. I'll just say that. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you touched on it, right? So, very early goal again in the second half in the 47th minute. So, literally two minutes into the second half, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, let, let's talk Let's talk about this. I, I have my opinion first, but I'll let you kind of break it down and give your perspective of why this should not have been a goal. Um, or at least yeah. I'm assuming that's what you think. Um, but what what happened during this play? What, what do we see? And then why did it go to VAR for the ref to see if it should have been a goal? All right, I want everybody to, if, if, if you get a chance, go back and watch this game. Freeze frame at 45-57, and I want you to watch where Jalen Lindsay is um, because he is in the semicircle near midfield. He's on the semicircle closest to the screen, which is bad because he's the right back he should be if he's going to be on the semicircle maybe he should be on the other side of it but he's on this side of the field you know the closest side and there is a guy behind him that seriously has like 50 yards of empty space in front of him and so um again this starts from the goal their goalkeeper rolling the ball out they play it out of the back it gets to the middle uh I can't remember who plays this really, really good ball out to the wings, but like there's just no one there. And like everybody's watching the ball. Derek Jones is in the middle, but he's he's coming towards the player that's making this cross. 
Um, and he's not picking up. I mean, there's just just no one's guarding anybody. I, and it's it's. I hope that they go back and look at the game film and just say, hey, if we're going to pinch in, at least look behind you. Or the goalkeeper's got to let you know, and you got to be listening. But I mean, these two, these two goals, the build up is just uh, is not good, um, and it's something that has been going on the whole year. And I, we need to, we need to do something about it. So yeah, you touched on it. I mean, um, I, I thought outside of Jalen's placement there, I thought he should have stepped up potentially there in the box. He kind of was just watching for a minute. He did not have a good yeah. night. No, I mean, so. Um, just kind of, just kind of let him dribble into the box and have a, f- a free shot, right? And what was unique about this, though, is the <laughs> the Montreal player, and and I'll be honest with you, I was kind of in the the book of like maybe it wasn't interference, but we'll, we'll you know, I've, I've been swayed the other side from slack. But uh, Montreal, while the shot is in the air, player is offsides, mm-hmm. jumps out of the way, yep, potentially blocks the view of marks. Marks doesn't move potentially mm-hmm. because of this player yeah. impeding in his path. And then the goal goes in, into the back of the net. Yeah. And Montreal's obviously celebrating and a lot of the a lot of Charlotte FC players are, you know, appealing this this goal. And then it goes to VAR. And VAR, one thing I did notice is they only showed one camera angle in a soccer specific stadium that has better camera angles, quote unquote, than Bank of America Stadium because it's a football stadium, not a soccer stadium. And they only had one angle for the entire game. And then at the very last second, they showed the one behind the goal. And yeah. it, was, it seemed like the decision was already made before they even like shared that. And they allowed the goal. And so, like, why should that not have been a goal? Because it wasn't a goal. <laughs> it was The guy was clearly offsides. He clearly impeded the play. Um, he, had, he has to jump out of the goal so the ball doesn't – or jump out of the way so the, so the ball doesn't hit him. If the the angle from behind the goal is the best angle possible, and I have no idea, I have no idea how someone can see that. I'm like, yeah, no, nah, he didn't. That that player did not affect the play at all. It's it, it again. Um, that's why we're naming this the the episode Montreal Screw Job because uh, one we shouldn't have played, and then two like, that should not have been a goal. I'm sorry. Yeah, and I mean, I'd be interested to see because you know. Uh, MLS has come out already once this year uh, against Columbus, where they said they made a mistake and it should have been a red card and a player should have been ejected against Charles FC. Yeah, um, I'd be interested to know if they reflect back and share their findings from this game. Because um, if I'm if I'm Joe and the team or Christian and Latanzio and the team, I'm sharing I'm sending it up to the front office of MLS and saying, "What the hell is this? And why is this allowed to happen?" Because um, at this point, like, why even have VAR? Because like VAR obviously didn't help, but. Yeah, it's, it's supposed to be a clear and obvious <clears throat> mistake, you know, uh, to overturn it. But I, I, I honestly, you know, the the view that you saw for the first couple of, you know, shots, like, okay, you can be like, well, I can't really tell. But the one behind the goal, it clearly shows. Uh, and I, I posted that earlier on, on Twitter. It's like, it. I mean, it almost hits the guy. It almost hits the guy in the back. How is that not impeding the the view? And the, the guy's coming into front. He's not going away from the ball. He's he's literally cutting across the f- front of the the net in front of Marks. And like so, I, I it's just baffling to me. Do you do you think? And, I, and I'm, I'm talking a lot of hypotheticals here. Um, but with the the clear and obvious mistake is the is the mentality for VAR because they're they're trying not to nitpick small little things here and there. 
Do you think if they originally called it offsides and then it went to VAR, would they have kept the call the same because it wasn't clear and evident that he didn't protrude or, you know, block marks from that perspective? Do you think that's the way they interpreted it? Or was it just just a bad call? I think it's just a bad call. I, I don't know if they would have initially called it offsides, then maybe they would. Ca- I, I honestly don't know. Uh, the one thing I do know it was a bad call. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think we, I think we can all agree on that, except for Montreal fans. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, yeah. So you know, Montreal goes up two to one. Um, Charles FC kind of continues on about 10, 15 minutes later. Um, Latanzio actually makes some subs and uh, brings Christian Fuchs back onto the field um, for Santos, which uh, it's the first game we've seen Fuchs back since Seattle, mm-hmm. um, which it's been almost a month, Memorial Day weekend. Um, so glad to see him back out there. I will say, like, obviously, you know, Christian's not the fastest guy on the, on the pitch anymore. He's not um, a left back that you start for the entire season. But, man, his vision, like, and just his ability to play the ball sometimes is mm-hmm. just, um, yeah. It's sorely missed, and I, I'm excited to have him come back because when he does get on the, onto the field, like you can tell that the back line's much more confident to play the balls, and he's a lot more aggressive playing balls um, than just the simple back passes, which is great. Yeah, um, like like I, like I've said all all, all year, it, you know, he can pa- he can pass the ball out of the back, and it's not just booting the ball up the field; it's in the right. space that a player can run onto. He he's very pinpointed with his delivery so um having him out there is a is an asset yeah so you had christian fuchs come on kind of changed the formation a little bit he went to the back um i don't know if they were running a three back i remember when again going back to lloyd and eric they were kind of like well you know what 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 the hell are you running again is where's christian at (laughs) is he playing it back left is he playing center back who knows right yeah um but again you're missing half your squad. That's what's going to happen a little bit. But yeah. uh, Christian Fuchs comes on in the 57th minute, and then we had another guy make his MLS uh, debut. Um, Quinn McNeil comes onto the field um, for Derek Jones. And I, and I was only for, what, 20, 30 minutes. Um, but initial thoughts on McNeil coming in. He was a guy from Clemson last year, um, rookie season heading into this. Um, how, did, how did he do on the field, you thought? I thought he did uh, good. I mean, that's the thing about young energy, right? And like young players, like they just they just go at it, and that's that's what we need a little bit of, right? You know, the the criticism all season long is we want a player to take the ball and and go forward and see what they could do and run at players. So um, it's, it's good to see that the energy and and again it it goes to the depth of this team that you know in whatever situation that we're in, we could throw someone on like that. Yep. Yep. And so. Again, continuing on, and, and we'll, we'll get to the potential second tying goal uh, from Charlotte FC here in a second, but um, Harrison Awful came on in the 81st minute um, for Jalen Lindsay. What, what is your – I know you said Jalen didn't have a great game this game, and so if you notice the past two games, really three games, Jalen hasn't started. It's been Harrison Awful that's started, and um, they caught, caught some people by surprise because Jalen's been pretty sound defensively this season, um, but this game wasn't his best, and do you if you're – Latanzio moving forward, um, are you continuing to start awful there at a right back, or are you going to kind of roll the dice again with Jalen moving forward? Hmm. That's a good question. I, I think that I would <clears throat> I would start Jalen. But again, we've talked about this before. Jalen has, has had some injuries, so it's good to rotate him. Uh, he's also young. So again, like him and like players like Ben Bender, it's good to rotate them. They don't need to be playing every single minute of every single game. Um, but if I had, if I was choosing my starting 11, he would be the player that I would, I would start. 
but also I would show him this game film and be like, don't do this again, please. Like <laughs> that, that's some of the things I think that he needs to learn. Um, but yeah, I would, I would probably go with Lindsay over awful. Yep. And then at the same time you had Chris Hagart, um, come yeah. onto the field for yeah. uh, Jordi Alcivar, which is nice. Yeah. Hagart was out pretty early in the season with the injury. Uh, most recently on a short term loan, with the Charlotte Independence and was called up for this game. So if you think about it, in the 81st minute, you had George Marks in, in goal, um, former Clemson guy. You had um, Quinn McNeil on the field, former Clemson guy. And then you had Chris Hagar on the field as well. So all three rookie mm-hmm. young guys just came out of college. Um, and for Charlotte to be potentially have an opportunity to tie the game, which we'll dive into in just a second, to have those guys not really have many minutes in MLS to be competitive, I think, think shows that you know thomas the scouting team actually has a pretty good grasp on talent and finding talent pretty early on i think yeah i mean think about what you're just saying and then the fact that we're on the road uh, against montreal and playing close uh with 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 these guys um it, it that that's that was one bright spot of of the game is that um under all this adversity um we go up there with a depleted squad and and almost almost eke out a uh, a point. And again, not we did not get played off the off the field. And if anything, I think we looked better than we did when we played them at home. Yeah, yeah, and and, and I think after you made those subs, we definitely looked a lot more um, attacking, and we seemed a little bit more energy. What you just said, like our guys come on the field, they haven't really had any minutes yet this season, mm-hmm. um, and they're trying to make a name for themselves at the same time, right? So they want to exactly. make an impact. And so, um, what's because of that, they had some attacking opportunities within that. Um, yeah. And so let's talk about the potential game-tying goal um, with Swiderski. So what, what happened there? And um, like what – and well, I'll, I'll save that second part of that question. There, but what happened to the – what happened to the – almost goal with with uh, Carol Swiderski there. Yeah, the the his first shot he should have buried. Uh I know it was a little awkward, but you know, you're getting paid a lot of money to score goals. You got he's got to start scoring some goals. Uh I'm a fan of Swiderski, but I can I only have so much patience. He's got to start scoring. I'm sorry. So he misses that one and then here they didn't show the replay a lot, and so there's been some debate like did he sky that or did which I think happened, the defender actually got to the ball and skied that over, but they did not give the corner kick. Either way, <laughs> again, you're getting paid a lot of money to score goals. you got to start putting the ball in the net. Do you think, um, and you know, just to be fair, because I know we, we were kind of questioning and talking about more early on in the season just based off results, but um, obviously he's played better of recent. This game probably wasn't his best of recent, but um, do you think Carroll's in his own head a little bit here? Just hasn't really scored since Cincinnati, I don't think. Um, and obviously had a coaching change while he's been on international duty, scored a goal in Poland during their friendly, um, and then comes back and still doesn't score or produce in Montreal. So if you're if you're Carol Swiderski, are you letting this bother you in your head a little bit? Do you think he's in his head? And if you're Christian Latanzio, like what are you telling him? going into Thursday against Austin? Well, you know, I I think as a team, we need to work on finishing. Um, I I think you take him off to the side and just say, hey, shake this one off. But, you know, come Thursday, 
You got to be on. He's got to start scoring goals, not for, you know, of course, you know, we're selfish. We want him to score goals for Charlotte FC. But if he wants any chance of playing for Poland in the World Cup, he's got to start scoring. There's a lot of competition for him in that in that role. Um, So he's got to start putting some some stuff away. And, you know, we're not creating a ton of chances. But when you have a chance like that, you've got to you got to do it. So, yeah. um, So, yeah, like he has to get going for us. We are going to be in really bad shape if he continues the struggle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it, one thing I will say, and it caught me with this game, and maybe it was just because he was playing in a different position or formation, but he really does tend to want the ball on his feet, and he comes back a lot and sags back a lot more, um, almost like a false nine versus just your your stereotypical striker, right? And I mean, if you're if you're Latanzio, are you changing your formation at all and putting him in a different position to give him the ball at his feet, or do you still keep him up top moving you, forward? You keep him up top, but he has to get service. He has to, you know, we've talked about getting balls coming through the middle. Uh, we don't have any problems <clears throat> playing the ball over the top, and you know, he, you know, we've seen that him and Rios are very good at uh, holding the ball up, but he needs to get the ball in better pockets of space at the top of the 18 where he can turn a shoot or get a ball in the box um which which that's where we're missing you know we're missing uh kind of that that true playmaker in the midfield you know we've got alcivar we've got tt we've got bender but we need someone that's that's their complete role we need a, a central attacking midfielder midfielder which the the thought is that's what we're going to pick up this summer but um I hope it comes sooner rather than later. Yeah, so we'll we'll talk about the the change in personnel here a little bit later, but um, but really that's it for the game, right? That was really the last opportunity for Charlotte. Um, Montreal goes on to win two to one, and so now looking ahead, um, Latanzio three games in to his you know head coach career, he's won one game, draw a game, and a lost a game. Um, is it fair to say? you have a good look or read of who he's going to be as a coach or is it still too early to tell? Yeah. So here's the thing. Um, I, I went back and forth with a couple of people on, on Twitter about this. Uh, I, I've seen a lot of criticism of, of Latanzio within these three games, which I think is absolutely absurd. So we've played three games, right? Or under Latanzio. Two of these were on the road. Um, the first match was against current fourth place team in the East in Red Bulls. And we win two to nothing. We were missing in that game. We were missing Fuchs, Swiderski and Jozwiak, but we got a win at home, kept a clean sheet, right? So off to a good start. The next game is on the road against Columbus. Columbus were missing some folks. So were we, we're missing our captain again, Christian Fuchs, Swiderski and Jozwiak. We get a point. If not for a terrible individual mistake, we come away with three points in this game. People didn't like the subs at the end, right? I, I, I get it. Yet, those were the same subs that won us the game against Red Bull. We also have to come back from behind in that game to salvage a point against Columbus, right? So people were all up in arms about we didn't go for it. They didn't like his comments after 
after the press conference. I guess they were okay with we're, we're screwed, but didn't like his comments. And then the third game, we go on the road again to play the third place team in the Eastern Conference, missing 10 players. And I'll say it again, missing 10 players. We go down a goal. We fight back. We make aggressive subs in the match to try to, to get back a point. Or yeah, to get back a get back a goal once we we go down again, and ultimately we're just unlucky. The goal shouldn't have been allowed. Uh, we we should have got a point. Um, and did I mention we were missing ten players? So I I cannot for the life of me how you could be critical of, of of a coach after three games when we won. You know we won the first game and got a point out of the second one. I I just don't think it's I just don't I don't I don't think it's fair because. Before it was, it was never Miguel's fault. Uh, it was always we have cheap players or the front office sucks. Whatever bad happened, Mar Mar is a saint. Now it's flipped. Now it's Latanzio's fault, and there's there's apparently no change in tactics or no change in intensity. <laughs> Forget the fact that the players themselves are saying the opposite. Let's pretend like they didn't say any of those things. Let's disregard that Miguel only got one point away the whole time he was in charge. Let's ignore that we got beat at home by Montreal under Miguel. We got beat two to nothing. No, let, let's let's all be hypercritical of a man that has coached three games and has gotten us four points. And we played one of those games with, again, missing 10 players. So... I for for those that are being critical, I I oof, you are you are rough, my friend. I agree with you. I think it's I think it's too early to tell on the Christian Latanzio uh, book. Um, I think it's too early in the season for him, at least, to to write him off or to celebrate him. Right. So had some good success. He's also you know yeah. So he, obviously, he's not the second coming of the of the head coach potentially yeah, and, right, as of right now. Right. And, I, and I'll say this: if we would have lost against New York. And lost against Columbus, and we have three losses. Then okay, that, we could be a little critical there, right? Like okay, yeah, what's what's going on? I thought you know, getting Miguel out here, there was going to be this change. Uh, now we've lost three in a row, and I guarantee if that would have happened, everybody would have flipped out and be like, oh my gosh, see, Miguel was the best, and they all made this stupid decision. But here we are, uh, we get four points out of the first two games, and then we we lose this game, and probably should have got a point here too. So. Uh, I, I don't know. I think it's too too early to be critical. I'm going to be looking at our next four games, and then I'm going to make a determination uh, at, at that point. Uh, because here's the thing, like, uh, especially under Latanzio, we haven't played a game yet where he's had the full squad. So, and even, even when we play Austin on Thursday, um, I think most of the players that were out against Montreal will be back, but I don't think all of them will be back. So, yeah, I, I'm going to wait until, you know, we play Austin at home, Houston away, which we play them Sunday after we just play Thursday. <laughs> um, then we play Nashville at home, and then we play Miami away. And these are very crucial, crucial matches. And so I'm going to leave judgment till after these games to make a real determination. I'm like, okay, this is working. This is not working. Um, because I, I think people too, David, I want to say this. I think people are now starting to see where we really are in the table. Mm -hmm. um, 
it's not that we've fallen off or or anything like that. It's just like we've had, you know, these teams below us have had all these games in hand, and we've actually get, have have gotten some pretty favorable results. But, um, it, but now when you look at it, I think it probably looks worse than than what we were originally thinking. Uh, the good thing is, uh, we we now know where where we are and what what is needed. Uh, yeah. we are about four or five points out of playoffs now, uh, which is which is not horrible. No, uh, especially with us potentially getting another DP or another player come yeah. summer transfer. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and and you you touched on it, right? I mean, we during the uh, the last episode with Vaughn and Corey and us there talking, like we knew that this stretch was going to be super important. July is going to make or break this team, I think, um, for the rest of the season, right? And so we've got four or five games. And essentially, oh no, we've got six games in five weeks, essentially, in the month between now and the end of July. And it's a tough stretch, a lot of traveling, right? And we knew it was going to be an opportunity. Then you throw COVID into the, into the wrinkle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's unfortunate, but it, it is the case, right? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like looking ahead, you've got Austin here in, in, on Thursday. You tra- uh, travel again on Sunday, and then you come back. Um, I believe mm-hmm. what after the Fourth of July for Nashville, right? Right. Um. So, yeah, Houston. Houston's right before Fourth of July, so you have July heat in Houston. So, um, if you're if you're a Christian looking ahead, like what's going to be most important, and like what do you expect to see? Just the next three games: Austin, Houston, Nashville. What do you want to have for Charlotte FC? Obviously wins, but like what what do you expect to see? I would like to see. Of course, uh, again, I keep saying this: you got to win at home. So we we have to beat Austin at home. Yep. I would be okay with getting a point on the road against Houston. Um, Houston is pretty pretty decent. They're they're in eighth. They're six three and seven. Um, they're pretty close in goal get goal differential. You know, they have twenty goals for nineteen goals against. Um, you know. I, it's okay, I think, to get a point there. You got to come home and take care of Nashville, and then when you go on the road to Miami, I think this is where you have to win. You know, we talked about um, Columbus. You know, being like, oh, this is one that we can pick off. Miami, I think you you have to actually start picking off because they are below us. They have a game in hand, and we we have to to stay close to the teams that are in fifth, sixth, and seventh. Um, right now, that's Orlando City, who has who's played the same amount of games as we have. They sit on 25 points. We're, we're sitting at 20. Uh, Miami is ahead of us. They have 21 points. Cincinnati is in seventh. They have 23 points. Um, so the Miami away game, I, I think that's one that we're going to have to have to win, to be yep. to be honest. I mean, ideally, it would be great if we could win against Houston and Miami away. Oh fantastic. yeah, I mean, ideally, yeah. it'd be yeah. great to just right. yeah win win all four, and then I think that's that's when I think that's when we hit All Star break, I believe, something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, after after these matches, so so these four are crucial. If we can if we can get on a hot streak, we're gonna be perfectly fine. Um, some of these teams, I think, will fall off. Um, so we'll just we'll just have to see. Uh, you know, like Cincinnati's in seventh. They have a really tough schedule coming up. They have. Uh, NYCFC, they have New England, then they have Red Bulls. So they have three back-to-back games that are going to be really tough for them. So they could they could drop some points. So um, there's some there's some hope there, but we've got to get going. Some of our players have to get going. We've got to get some type of consistency where 
now international breaks done hopefully this health and covid protocol crap is out of the way we can have our full squad finally again and everybody on the same page everybody ready to go and just make this push these next four games so let's let's transition to some recent news for Charlotte before we get to questions and those kind of things. So um, it was officially announced um, on the 27th, so really today, um, but I think a lot of folks knew about it already. But um, so Alan Franco is no longer um, with Charlotte FC and departs um, on loan. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'm just going to read kind of what the quote was from Zoran here. Um, but, you know, Charlotte FC announced the club is lone midfielder Alan Franco and, oh, man, Club Atletico Tayeres. Uh, God, probably butchered that, but it's okay. Um, I'll get slack in it and or I'll get blamed in it in slack, but for the remainder of the season. So midfielder joins the Argentinian club after appearing in 10 MLS games for Charlotte FC. Zoran quote says, we thank Alan for his contributions this season for Charlotte FC and wish him well in his career. Uh, this move opens up both a senior roster spot and an international roster slot as we approach the summer transfer window beginning on July 7th. Um, so if you're not, if you don't, if you can't read between the lines, pretty sure Zoran just told you what exactly the plan is there. Mm-hmm. Is that we basically, um, you know, I, I remember people in Slack were asking, you know, like what what did that move, you know, encompassed? But Charlotte didn't buy Franco and then loan him out or anything like that. They mutually agreed to terminate the loan, and then he went on loan to another club. Right. Um, and so I, I know some fans are asking if that was the case, but yeah. pretty sure Zoran just kind of told you, hey, the, the goal is we offloaded an international spot and a senior roster spot um, as we prepare for the summer transfer window. Yeah, so yeah. It, there's gonna be a, there's obviously gonna be a move being made. Yeah, and so Franco refused to travel to Montreal. Which there is a part of me that says, yeah, don't let the hit, don't let the door hit you on the way out. But there's also a part of me too that's like, okay, I'm about to go to another team. I don't want to run the risk of getting injured before I start this new team and World Cup. He's got to, he's got to get ready for that. Um, there's so, also the there's also the COVID part of it involved too. Is that if he right, knows that right, there right. is a yeah. if there is a COVID outbreak on the team or health and safety protocols, and he travels up to Montreal, then he gets um, stuck. Can it, and then he gets stuck for two weeks, yeah, right? Yeah. And so like there's I, I definitely get it from his perspective. And honestly, if if he knew the team was terminating his loan, like yeah, because then guess what could happen? A uh, Camille Yozwiak situation could happen with Derby, where um, you know he gets injured and all of a sudden the deal falls through because of it. Yeah, so I'm I'm okay. I'm okay with this move. I, I was never, and I hate to say I'm not a huge fan of him. I, I, I just, I preferred other players. Uh, I knew that he was not going to be here long term, so I was okay with him, him leaving. Uh, we've said before, we have a lot of players that are very similar on this team that play very similar and similar roles. Um, and we need new players uh, in the summer. We need more attacking midfielders. We need you know, maybe a left back, maybe a right back. Um, um, so I'm okay. I'm okay with this. Um, I appreciate the the effort he put in and, and, you know, he never played horrible, but he never really stood out to me either. Um, and again, yeah. I, I think we need somebody a little more dynamic in the midfield. Yeah. I always appreciated him for, for what he is. I mean, he's, he's a, it's a busy body there in the midfield played with a lot of passion, but again, like you said, nothing really stood out, but nothing really ever stood out either good or bad um, with, with his play. So just was okay. Yeah. So, um, so obviously Franco news happened. Charlotte FC is going to be pretty active, or at least we hope to be, that we'd be active come the transfer window in July. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, so we'll we'll see what that entails here. Hopefully, pretty soon. So, you ready to dive in some questions, Matt? Are you ready Let's to get do it? Get roasted by social media here and just you know go through this. So, <laughs> um, so uh, first question we have here is from our very own founder uh, with Mint City Collective and Board uh, is Jay Lansgroner. So he says, thoughts on the subs used this past weekend and the tactical adjustments to press more. An attack with young, un, young, unexperienced players entering the fray. And how does that bode going forward when a full roster is back? Not necessarily players, but the tactical adjustments, whether at home or away. Yeah, good good question. So I would like to see us press more. And I, I think you'll be able to do that, or you should be able to do that more when we have our full squad back. Um, because, as we've seen now, we have players on the bench that could come in, and, and there's not that much of a drop-off. So you can have players, you know, tire themselves out working their butts off for 60, 65 minutes, right, trying to win the ball and, and press, um, and then make subs where the player coming on is just as good. And now you have somebody with fresh legs running at running at you. So um, I, I like the subs. I like the fresh energy. Um, I hope we see you know, more of that as, as the season goes on. And, and I'm hoping, and we've said before, like, I really hope our depth really shines through, uh, especially in these next four games, but I would like to see us press a little more. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I do think guys like Vargas gains, uh, potentially whoever this new midfielder or roster spot we freed up for, um, potentially could bring some speed, speed and some press there a little bit. So it'd be good. Yeah. Um, so this next one's from our own very own Boone and Appalachian FC, uh, you know, super fan. Uh, Der- Terry Gunnell Beck says, after seeing so many players out, how does our depth on the bench really match up? Are we in a good spot uh, considering this or what do we need to learn moving forward? Yeah. So I actually got to see Terry uh, this weekend. Nice. Uh, me and my wife traveled up to Boone and we stopped by Boonshine. Uh, for the pregame, we did not get to go to the game, uh, which I do believe they won, which was a big game for them. But uh, it's always nice to see Terry. So, Terry, thank you for the hospitality and thank you for the question. Um, I, I We answered that a little bit about the depth. Um, I think we have learned that we do have uh, have depth. I, I, I think we've learned that um, our relationship with the independents is paying off. Um. And it's just nice to know that if people go down, something drastic happens like a COVID outbreak or, you know, whatever the case is, um, that we have players that can step up like this, young, old, whatever. So I'm, yeah. I'm pretty happy with our, our depth and we're about to go get some more this summer. I'm still disappointed, Matt, that we were both probably wearing a kit in some form on Saturday. And you said old players are still available and neither one of us got a call to help out in Montreal. So um, at least we know that they weren't that desperate yet to fill the field of team. So yeah. <laughs> um, let me tell you, we would have, we had a nice press for about 30 seconds and then the game would have been done. That's yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> so this next question is from Kevin Hoffer. Um, so Hofer, to what, Kevin, Kevin Hofer. Hofer. Oh man. See, I'm sorry guys. Yeah. Um, Kevin Hofer. So to what do we attribute a seeding, a seeding of these goals early in the halves mm. of play? So I'll let you answer that first one before we go on to the next one. Yeah, so Kevin's a good friend of mine. So thanks, Kevin, for the the question, and it's a very good question because this is this is something that's starting to happen. I, I think it's a 
we talked about lack of awareness uh, and our spatial recognition. Um, I, I, yeah, and mental lapses. I, I think that's why we've been going down early. Um, we just got to be really turned on at the beginning of these games uh, and be more vigilant. And I, I think having someone like, you know, Carujo and Fuchs back there helps a little bit with uh, organization. Um, so, yeah, and that's a, that's a, that's a good question because it, it, it absolutely keeps happening. And how do you, how do you get your players to, to stop giving up super, super early goals? Yeah. He even, he even mentions that they've let up four goals now, um, throughout the season in the less than five minutes of play in a game. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, either in the first or second half. And, you know, obviously he says the proverbial slow start is a sports cliche, but is he off base for thinking that's what that is? Now there could be something something to it because if it's if it's continuing to happen, it, it's it's a pattern. So is that a mental thing? Is that coaching? Because it's happened under you know happened under Latanzio's happened under Miguel. Uh, do these players need to watch more game film? What do they need to work on? So that's those are unfortunately questions that I cannot answer because I am not the coach or in training or <laughs> any of that stuff. Um, but it, it, if, it, it's definitely a concern for sure, because then you're, then you're on the back foot and you know, you look at, you look at Columbus, you look at this Montreal game. Um, look at Philly. It's yep. yeah. It's, it's already tough enough to go on the road. And then when you go down a goal, so the Columbus game is the perfect example. Like we we're going up there thinking that we're going to win. Right. And then we go down super early. So then you have to fight back into the game instead of getting a lead, sitting on it, and then making the proper subs that, yep. you know. So, Which I think that's yeah. what that's what we did against New York Red Bulls. We got goals, got ahead, mm-hmm. and then made the tactical changes and subs to make sure that we finished the, lead, or finished the game with the win, right? Yeah, Versus exactly. pressing or making adjustments throughout. So, yeah. um, awesome. So... Thanks, Kevin. So the next one is from Thomas Hare. So if you ever see him in game day in Bank of America Stadium, (laughs) uh, wears the mint suit. So amazing outfit for the games. Um, So any positives you would take away from this performance? So will getting a goal help Crujo get some well-deserved all-star consideration? Um, And anyone else on our team that should be considered for all-star consideration as well? Ooh, yeah. Yeah, I I think it's always a confidence boost to, to score a goal, especially like a defender, because they don't get a lot of chances. Yeah. Uh, and I, I do like that it was Corujo, because if anybody deserves it, it's probably him. That man has put He's in every some minute. work. Yeah, yeah, just absolutely has put in some work for us. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that he that he got a goal. Um, as far as all-star contention, I think you do have to look at someone like him um, who has played every single minute. Um it's, it's nice to get that tally right when you're looking at, you know, metrics and, you know, and, and you're thinking about voting and stuff like that. So I would I would love to see him in the All-Star game. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and I know you probably put your votes out, but is there anybody else that you think or should deserve being All-Star consideration on our team? Yeah, I mean, it's probably not going to be a shock to anybody. I, I, I do think that Brant would be another one that I would include. Again, someone who's played every single minute, who's been super consistent, 
uh, and if you're looking for somebody to play in the All-Star game, a central defensive mid, which when you're on the All-Star game, not necessarily think about defense, but um, <laughs> that's kind of the thing about this team, though, is that Swiderski got hot, Bender kind of got hot. I think Bender's kind of like a fan favorite anyway. Um, if Swiderski can catch fire in these next four games, he could go. Do you he, think Kalina could go? He's he's another one that's that's possible. Um, I, I he's got to clean up these gaffes though. That's mm-hmm. what's I think that's what's really hurting you. Like mm-hmm. giving up goals is one thing, but when you kind of screw up pretty bad that's that's a different thing especially when it's recent and voting it, just started it's it, gonna be in people's minds yeah unfortunately um so just got to clean that up but if he if if we get some clean sheets and he makes some pretty you know save of the week type stuff then yeah yeah absolutely because you know again he's he's been amazing um and when you're a goalkeeper man when you make a mistake it's just magnified times 10 and it really sucks but um but he's he's played great this season yep so thanks, Thomas, for the question. So this next one's from Robert Wiley. So should us fans start having expectations that a waveform should start to turn around and expect points in some of these matches? So I know we talked about it just a second ago about, you know, potentially Houston or Miami, et cetera. Um, but context, since roughly 40% of the league has only one away win or less. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think... I do think we could pick up some road wins. Um, Toronto comes to mind. You know, well, we talked about Miami. Um, after Chelsea, the Chelsea match, um, we then go on the road to Toronto. I think we can. I think we can get a point or, and win there. Um, we go to Cincinnati. We go to Chicago. Yeah, I, I think there's some winnable away games. I, and I think I think we're going to have to start getting some results. Because here's the thing, you know, we, we lost the home opener. We lost to Montreal. Um, you know, we've dropped some points with some, you know, against Columbus. Um, so we might get into a position where we <laughs> we may have to may have to win a couple of these away games. So, yeah. And I mean, it, I think it was actually up until the Columbus game where we actually had our second draw on the road. Um, we were one of two teams that had only drawn less than two games. So we were we were the only team to only have um, a draw and the rest be loss on the road. Um, so, yeah. you know, it, it's definitely important to at least get at least a point moving forward on some of these win or are they away games. Yeah. Um, it'd be great if we can get some three points, but I think expectation moving forward is you've got to minimally walk away with a point. Yeah, and I, and I know that draws are are not sexy right um sometimes you want to go for it but just ask nashville last year what draws did for them (laughs) yeah they basically tied their way into the playoffs which i'd be okay with that and and a high seed at at that as well so absolutely um so awesome thanks thanks robert for the question so this next one is from twitter um so man twitter names um So Maxon and Vaxon is all cool at Shymax. So I just had to read this out loud. So, um, so does Fuchs soon return to a starting spot at left back or left center back um, after the month that Walks and Mora just had, or does he stay on the bench and come on as like a sub for for the back line? 
That's the first question he has. Uh, yeah, good good question. I think I think for the Austin game, you'll probably see Carujo and Walks again. For the game Sunday, you might see a change. You might see Fuchs back in. Now I'm not saying Fuchs won't play. Uh, sure, I'm just saying sure. he, he. I don't think he's going to start because again, coming back from injury. You want to just you want to not quote unquote ease your way back in, but you know ninety minutes is is, is tough coming straight back from an injury, especially an ankle injury. Uh, and we're playing on turf um, Thursday, so you may not see him start Thursday. But really good question. I still think yeah. Carujo and Fuchs is our best center back pairing. I just wish we maybe had some little more flexibility with left and right back. I agree. Um, so his second question is with reports recently of Sergio Ruiz, and I don't know if it's he's, he says wanting out. I'm not sure it's been reported that Sergio wants out, but there's been rumors and speculation that there's that the team has received offers for Sergio Ruiz. Mm-hmm. Do we need to have another CDM or another midfield, which I think we you know we just talked about with Franco's loan being ended and being put on loan again. We now have a spot open, so I think that does kind of answer the question earlier about wanting another midfielder, mm-hmm. um, but do you think it's going to be more of a CDM? Do you think it's going to be more of a cam? Like, what do you think it's going to be? We have to get a a, a cam. Uh, I first and foremost, I hope I hope Sergio stays because I do like yeah, that depth. Too. I like the depth. I like the flexibility. I'm still not sold on TT. Um, I'm okay with Alcivar. I think he's I think he's been pretty good um, for the most part. Uh, but yeah, I mean, here's the thing: if if Brant does go down, yep. Derek Jones has to come in. Um, I don't know Do how. Do you see com- Jones as an everyday starter? Because see, of that? I, I, yeah, and that's the thing. I don't. I don't know how comfortable I am with that. Um, so if if Sergio does leave, well, well, here's the thing too. I think we're going to sign more than one player. By the way, I don't think we're just signing one player. So I think it would be a, a center attacking mid. Maybe you do sign another type of midfielder, but I, I do think we need to look at our left back situation. Uh, and we might want to think about a right, like wing back type of role. Um, and that's not to disregard Lindsay or awful. It's just, again, having that little bit of flexibility and how often are you going to call on your loan players that are at independence? You know, like how often are you going to bring them up and down? So, yeah. Well, and just yeah. to also remember too, that you plays the wing back for Poland. So it's, uh, but yeah. I don't know if that, I don't know if that translates to MLS or not. So, yeah, uh, uh, yeah I don't know. Um, I like our, I'm starting to like our depth up top a little bit. Um, but I do think you got to start looking at, you got to have, uh, you got to have a proper like number 10. Yep. Um, and then depending who's available, you know, maybe you look at a left back, left wing back, right ring wing back. And then if you can pick up somebody else good in the middle, if you are losing Sergio. Yep. So good question there. Um, I'm not going to read this name again, but Shymax, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. Um, so this next question comes from our very own, uh, you know, special guest, occasionally an amazing dog dad um, is Russell Varner. Uh, so Russell um, asked at what point he's got two questions. So at what point do we worry about Vargas not getting minutes? And that was mm. brought up in Slack right before we went on and record this episode as well. Yeah. But are you concerned? He, he's a, he's a, you know, young designated player. 
Um, so are we concerned currently that he's not getting much minutes? Um, well, he missed this game, right? Um, for other circumstances. Um, but I, I, I think Andre is pretty much keeping him off the field, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but again, we get, we keep going back to depth. Um, what I would prefer is Andre plays for 65, 70 minutes and runs his ass off, uh, as we're pushing to take the lead or, or whatever. Um, and then Vargas, yeah. And then Vargas comes in to finish him off with his killer speed. Because uh, I think we saw that in Vargas's debut that, you know, he comes on and me- and immediately makes an impact. I don't know if Vargas is a 90-minute player, um, he, and he doesn't have to be. That's that's the kind of the cool thing about this is that he doesn't have to be. There, there's not the expectations. You're going to hear the same coach speak like, oh, he's a young player, and we got to work him in and be careful with him and blah, blah, blah. So, uh I, I, I think what it really comes down to is Andre's just keeping him off the field right now, uh, which is, you know, good for Andre. It's a good, good problem to have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but, but again, I, I do think, I think at one, we need to press more to 70th minute unless Andre is just completely in the zone um, and looks, looks deadly. Yeah, yeah. Throw on Vargas and, and see what happens. And, um, maybe start like thinking about switching up sides and stuff too. I, I don't know. Um, and you could do that with, with Yozuak as well too. Yep. So second question is here and I'm going to add some flair to this. So I apologize, but his original question was if you can only pick one representative to make the all-star game, who would you pick? But I'm going to say you have to get this right or every kit that you own in that closet behind you gets thrown into the dumpster if you get it wrong. So who is the one surefire pick to make the all-star game for Charlotte FC? Okay. If I had to pick one and that was on the line, I, and if I'm thinking about MLS and the just the way they are with their selections, <laughs> correct? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be Kalina because there are probably three or four, we'll call them golden boys that would probably go before him. Um, I would say Carujo probably. I don't think he would be a starter. Just because they they hate they hate us <laughs> they hate Charlotte yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I think if if I had to wager money or all my kits I would say Carujo uh, and I hate to say that because I really want Brant to go but I, I just think the way the All Star Game is and again we never get any love and plus Brant is uh, not a MLS darling like some of the other players out there I would say Carujo. So what you're telling me is, is that we need to, you know, ignite our Met City Soccer Show army to flood the voting every day to get Brant Bronico onto the MLS All Star game. I would, I would love me. it, but but again too, like you know, I Swiderski is the is a type of player that they would He's, like, yeah, if he can. Get a couple he, of goals. If he can score some goals. Because I remember early in the season when he scored those early goals. Exactly. He was all he was all over MLS yeah. social media, yeah, yeah. all this stuff like that. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, and plus it's it's easy to get highlights when you score goals. So Yeah. And he's got a, you know, interesting last name. Um so yeah, they'll love it. International duty ex- yeah, everything. Of course. Yeah, so that's the way it is. So, so thanks, Russell, for the for the question. And make sure you guys check out his social media page for quick plug to help adopt Dodger who is the dog that he is fostering. So oh, cool. make sure you check him out. So um, 
two more questions here from f- some fans before we finish this up. Um, so Royal or Roy Coles, I believe. So thoughts on the Apple TV partnership that was recently announced. Is this a positive impact for the team, especially for him as he is a UK fan who rarely gets to watch games live um, across the sea? So um, what, what's your initial thoughts from the Apple TV deal? Yeah, I really, really like this a lot. We have a really great article on the Mint City Collective website that kind of takes a deep dive and answers a lot of questions that people have. I, but I, I do think this is a really good deal. It's a lot of money, which helps the league, of course. Um, but also, you're just going to be have be able to have access to all the games. Yep. Not just not just Charlotte FC games, but all the games. <laughs> Um, the, you know, of course there's going to be a little downsides here and there, but for the most part, if you're, if you're, if you're talking about access and never missing a game, th- yeah, this, this deal is a hundred percent for you. And it, and it's not that expensive. Uh, you know, if you're like me, you have every single, uh, streaming service, but yet you canceled cable because it was too expensive, but yet yep. <laughs> now you're paying, now you're paying more than cable. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Now you're just, you're just having cable with extra steps is what you're doing. So, yeah. um, yeah. yeah. And the, but Hey, the cool perk of it is, is that if you're a season ticket member, you actually get the deal included in your, your ticket. So, Absolutely. Um, which is pretty cool. So. Yeah. Um, that should eliminate some of those blackout and those issues there for it as well. So, yeah. um, and maybe that's how, you know, LAFC signed Gareth Bale. They threw that new Apple TV uh, money at him <laughs> is what they did. Yeah. So but if they, you, they if, gave him. If you have any yeah. other uh, questions, uh, yeah, head head to our website, look under uh, news. Uh, and it's, I think it's the, the, the last article that we, that we posted. It's really good. Yeah. Awesome. So the last but not least question here comes from Timothy at Tire Barrier via Instagram. Um, it, it is, is it nice to know, or is it nice to see the team fight back when going down instead of losing all hope now under Latanzio? Yeah, it, it's really, really nice that we are fighting back. I hate that we have to kind of constantly have do to that. Fight back. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, I will say like we respond pretty quickly after going down. It's not like we spend the whole entire game chasing. We, we fight back pretty quickly. Uh, I think that's, again, a testament to the players. I don't know if that's coaching related because I, I haven't seen enough to make a determination there. Uh, like I said, I'm not one of those people that are after three games, hyper critical. Um, I'm going to give it a little more time. Um, but yeah, it is, it is very nice to see. Um, and that can be just as demoralizing, uh, to opposing teams that, you know, they go up a goal, they're really excited. They think they've, they've got it. And then two minutes later, they, they get hit back in the face. And that can that can usually turn the tide. So I really like that 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 we've been able to do that. Yeah, I think the only game that I kind of I don't want to say tuned out, but kind of didn't see that was the Philadelphia game. I think that was the only game where I was just yeah. kind of like no, that that game we we just got played off the field. Yeah. Yep, for sure. Um, awesome. Well, thanks for the questions, y'all. Uh, it's always fun. So make sure you continue to follow us on social. You can ping me and Matt Swift on social directly if you want us to answer a question next time as well. Or check us out on Slack so we can continue to answer these questions. It's been a a fun little bit that we do. So um, thanks again, y'all. So um, that really almost ties it up. But we've got one last thing to touch on, which I think is a pretty cool thing that's going to be happening Thursday night after the game um, in Bank of America Stadium. It is um, the unified team. Mm-hmm. for Charlotte FC. So Matt, like what, what is the unified team? And can you tell me a little bit about that since you were there um, at their announcement night? 
Yeah, so the the unified team uh, kind of brings together like special Olympic special Olympic athletes uh, and unified partners or, or or people with intellectual disabilities. Um, so you're going to have people with you know intellectual disabilities and and people without kind of a collective. It's it's men and women too. Um, I think the ages are 16 to 29, I believe, something like that. Uh, so the Charlotte FC did something really, really cool. So they had a signing day for these for these players. Um, so they got to come in and, um, you know, a lot of the sport groups were there cheering them on as they come down kind of this, the, the blue carpet, and they go down to the to the vault to to, to sign their contracts. And so all these players got to sign a contract. So we got to watch that. Um, the the coach got up and, and and did a speech and and everything like that. And then we got to watch them train, uh, and it was just a ton of fun. Um, so they're going to be playing right after the game against Austin, which I know it's 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 going to be late. Um, I get that, and and people are asking like you know why this game. It's a Thursday. It's going to be late, but um, so this team is only going to be playing two games this season, um, and just with scheduling and everything going on, it's really hard to to nail that down. So they they pick this game. We're going to be playing at Atlanta United's uh, unified team, which is really really cool. So we're just we're just asking that after the game, everybody just stick around in their seats and just really cheer these guys and girls on. Uh, it's going to mean the world to them. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's only going to be like forty, like a forty-minute game, and the field is going to be like only eight to the eighteen-yard box to the other eighteen-yard box. Um, so yeah, so please, if you can, uh, I know it's late, but please stick around. It's going to be a lot of fun, and like I said, they'll they'll love it. All right, Matt, you just sold me, so I will be coming home late Thursday night is what yeah. you're telling me. So, yeah. um, But that's that's really cool, awesome program that MLS and Charlotte FC is doing. Um, it's awesome. I, I remember you showing me the pictures from their announcement night. So it seems like it'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a lot of fun to cheer on, cheer them on as well, make some noise. So we'll make sure we work with the different supporter groups to bring them all along and make sure we make some noise within Bank of America for them as well. So yeah. um, awesome, man. Well, anything else that's in your mind before we we call it a night and head into Austin on Thursday? Are you going to be at the game Thursday? You're going to you're going to go back up to Boone? No, I will be at the game Thursday. I'm really looking forward to it because. Uh, I missed last tailgate too, so uh, it's been a little bit for me. So it's going to be nice uh-huh. to get uh, get back into the swing of things, and uh, hopefully we get a win. That's right. It's almost been like three weeks or almost four weeks for you since you've been at a game because you yeah. had you know Anson's birthday, then you had a away game, and now you're up in Boone. So yeah, um, it's going to be nice, man. So be good to see you. I won't I won't be at the tailgate because I'll be working and then going straight to the game after work, but. Um, I'll definitely see you at the stadium at one point in time, probably. But um, make sure you do check us out uh, at the tailgate lot. We are doing some like a kind of a bridge tailgate. It's not going to be the huge tailgate we typically do on weekend matches because um, it is on a it is on a work night, school night, whatever you want to call it. Thursday. Um, I'm actually going to pull up the information here, but you know we're not going to have the whole kit and caboodle going on. It's not going to be. Um, I don't think there's going to be any food provided this time, or but there are going to be some food trucks. Yep, there's going to be um, some food trucks. So, you know, if, if you pull up Matt Swift's handy dandy email that he sent out in the newsletter earlier today, which I'm sure he loves me plugging that because it means that people <laughs> see that the work that he puts in behind the scenes. Um, but we have our tailgate. 4 p.m. is when it starts. We have our, our group picture around 515. 
last call 530. And then we marched the stadium at six, which is a little bit different. It's an hour before kickoff versus the typical hour and a half and then a 7 p.m. kickoff. So please, please make sure you're there. Make sure you help set up everything like that. We will have the the tents and those kind of things set up. But again, no food, but there will be some food trucks there. Um with that space. So, um, and then one quick plug, I'll just share the last two things. It, it is the pride match, um, against Austin. So you do highlight that within our, the newsletter. Um, but we do have our pride scarfs still available to sell. Um, but all the proceeds from that scarf goes to timeout youth. So it's a great organization here in Charlotte. So please, please, please help support that organization. Get a scarf, wear it, rock it for the game on Thursday. The team just announced as well earlier in the day that um, they will be matching any roundup um, roundup donations from the merch sales from that game as well. And starting this week, I believe. So minimum donation, they said $2,022, which is pretty cool. But then moving forward, they will also match whatever people round up. So if you wanted to get some merch, now is the time to do it so you can impact CLT Pride with the team. So right, do, you, do you have the... Uh the the kit for this for this game the I training do, I time? don't I don't I don't have the, the the pride kit I don't it's the only one I don't have man I couldn't find it so um it's, I, I was too late to get it it's in the team store David well no not the past two times I went they didn't have it out man on game days they don't have it out they may have it on like normal day but on game day they don't put it out so. did you get the unity jersey or I did train top I did I did okay but I ordered that directly through Adidas versus the team hmm. so um, but okay. maybe I'll look at, maybe I'll look online. Maybe I'll get it here before Thursday or maybe I'll swing by the team store. Maybe if maybe I have an amazing co-host that I'm sitting here across from here. It has nothing to do this week and goes to the team store. I can Venmo him. He's shaking his head. No, I'm not He's doing done. that for you. Oh, damn it. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, w- I will say when I, when I was in there getting the unity top, they, they didn't have a lot of the, yeah the, the pride tops in i have the one from last year so i might wear the one from last oh, year go. so so yeah, yeah. i'll do that one instead you know yeah. that that one that one still fits pretty well so uh by the um, way did you get your did you get something in the mail today from the team i did it today i like to blame that on uh my amazing monroe mail uh I'd, so it takes usually yeah. a day for me to get that but are you talking about my amazing kicks or are you talking about the thing from the team the thing from the team oh man i thought you were gonna talk about my new kicks but you know oh we'll we talk can about talk about your shoes if, yeah. you, if you want to <laughs> But no, so there was something that came from the team today. Yeah. Um, so if season ticket members, if, if you pay attention, um, I think you're starting to see it on Slack and social media. But if you are a season ticket member and you attended the very first inaugural game, so you will get a special ticket commemorating that game and a coin mm-hmm. from that match as well. And I think on the coin, it has Charles FC backside as his inaugural match as well. Right. Um, which is pretty cool because I, you know, yeah. I, I wanted to get a ticket from the game because um, everything's d- digital and virtual now. They didn't really have those, um, but it's going to be something that's sent out. So um, I haven't received mine yet. Hopefully, I get mine tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but have got, you gotten yours? No, I haven't got mine yet. And that's kind of what I, uh, you know, it's it's Monday night when we're recording this. So if you haven't gotten yours yet, don't freak out. I've seen some people freaking out, um, and, and and I think you know it's just going to take a a little bit. Quick, uh, quick, time. everyone start tagging Sean McIntosh on Twitter and Instagram and just say, <laughs> where's my coin? And just blow him up on social. I'm sure he's going to love hearing I that. I so. guarantee he's already getting messages like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he is. I'm sure I'm sure. I think I already did that myself. I'm like, hey, what is this? No, but, um, but that's awesome. So yeah, be, be yeah. on the lookout for that. And then finally, I will just share. I got some new shoes, Matt, and they're pretty sick, man. So uh, they are I got those nice. I, I might wear those to the game on Thursday, but then I might take them off before heading into the game just because I don't want to ruin them with a beer toss or anything like that. But some nice mint Jordans, they're nice. So 
do they I, I have to ask because people stop asking this question once you get older but do they make you run fast Oh man, they made me jump fast and higher too. So jump fast, no, 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 jump jump higher. Here we go, Sorry. everybody. Yeah, no. <laughs> my shoes make me jump fast. Okay, cool. You know, you know the pumps. Remember the the pumps that we had oh, back yeah. in the day. I, I like, had the uh, I had the D Brown uh, Reebok oh, pumps. Yeah. Nice man. I had the Reebok pumps as well. Made me jump really high. Did you have the D Brown by... ones? Oh, I didn't have the D Brown ones. I just had. I just had. I was going to say you weren't even born. I don't think. No. On that. I mean, I probably was. I think I was just probably like in pre K. <laughs> so, um, but no, I had those. But no, I, they definitely don't make me run fast. I'm pretty sure I probably look um, like a baby, like newborn giraffe with them on or something like that. We'll see. We'll see what they look like when I when I'm wearing on Thursday. I'll, I'll I'll get you to p- take a picture, and I'll let the fans vote if I should wear them or not on social. <laughs> That's a horrible idea, but okay. Yeah. I, I know it is. I know. <laughs> Internet's an awful place, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so awesome, man. Well, I, I, that's all I have for tonight, yeah. Matt. Is there anything else that you want to touch on no, before we it, head yeah. into Austin on Thursday? Yeah, let's go. Let's uh, let's go have some fun Thursday, man. Let's go get a win. Let's get yep. back on track. Let's show Austin fans how we do it in Bank of America. So that's right. Fun. So awesome, Matt. Well, on that note, enjoy the rest of your night, sir. Um, and fans, we'll see you on Thursday first weekday game and uh we'll go from there see you guys